welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. You always hijack it. You always do this every time. Hey, we're in the most beautiful place in the world. And we're off. The Colorado Alps. Um, up near, we're, we're not too far, we're on Ute Pass. Not too far from Breckenridge. No, from Silverthorne. And um, we, it's like the most beautiful time of the year. We still got some snow on the, t- the caps of the mountains. And everything is green. There's even these little yellow um, flowers all over the field. And I feel like I'm in the Alps. So when I was a kid, Sound of Music was my mom's favorite favorite. And she, my, my last name is Rap. And she had seven kids because she wanted to have a Von Rapp family s- choir. And none of us could sing, but uh, it's the cheesiest thing. But it's got me thinking about that up here with these, the beautiful Alpine feel and your wonderful family. Do you have a whole choir? Can we, can we introduce them? Can we uh, start the podcast now? Okay. So, hey, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Father Mike is obviously present, and he's uh, glowing with enthusiasm here. Uh, we're uh, up in the mountains, and uh, we got all four of us here. Father Sean, Jake Machado, and then we have uh, two very special guests with us tonight: uh, John and Ashley Ryan. So, you want to say hello? Hello, John. How? Hello. Welcome, welcome. I'm Ashley. So uh, we're sharing two microphones, so we apologize about that. Yeah, when uh, we fade in and out, uh, we're passing a microphone, but hopefully it'll work out for us. John and Ashley were not exactly uh, notified with much advance on they were going to be on the podcast, but uh, as they're our hosts, and we want to uh, share a little bit about their life and their family because it's an amazing uh, thing that they're up to. Um, but we are here, uh, what's called the Companions Boot Camp. So you want to explain a little bit about what we're doing? Yeah, we're doing manual labor up here. For the most part. (laughs) No, we're up here. So a lot of us younger guys haven't had a full kind of deep dive in the rule of life, what it is, what we do, why we do it. And so we're studying this week of the rule of life, the statutes, and kind of the practical um, things with regards to our charism, with regards to the rule. So uh, this morning we were looking at that. We'll be here the whole week. Um, And yeah, so two holy hours a day, uh, just being with one another, going through, through all that. So we got um, about 15 of us up here. There's 20 guys in the Companions, including the seminarians. Uh, and Father Mike and I uh, are coming up on 15 years since we were some of the guys who got the Companions going. Do you remember the original boot camp? I do. In Minnesota? Yeah. We lived in a scamper. Yep. There were four of us and Father Glenn. And we all lived stuffed into a little sardine can. And... Um, yeah, hung out at who was it? One of the guys' house in the country, or John yeah, John Kelly's little uh, ranch or farm or whatever, and it was the same thing. We had, I think, we were in an attic for our chapel, and it was real tight. And I just, it was very romantic yeah. memory. I, it was probably miserable when we did it, but hindsight is always wonderful and beautiful. And it was certainly, it was like really bonding. I feel really close to those guys, and it was only a few days, so. Hopefully, there's something of that recreated here. and Ours doesn't seem uh, quite as rustic as you guys. We've got a beautiful meadow, as Father Mike was singing in the morning, or at the beginning we of the podcast. The hills are... A- <laughs> do we have a... And we're all uh, camping out. Jenga, you remember that? Yeah, we would drink beer and then do two-by-four <laughs> Jenga, but next to a lake. 
that's very Minnesota, I feel like. We've gotten classier, I guess. Yeah, so right after we started the Companions, um, if you're new to listening, Companions of Christ or Association of Diocesan Priests started 30 years ago in Minnesota. We started in Denver 15 years ago. There's now a couple other dioceses that have this. It's basically restoring the priestly common life uh, so that we can live the evangelical councils and make a total gift of self to Christ. But we had no idea what we were doing. They didn't have any, like, we just started and came back to Denver. And uh, so this boot camp was kind of like... Do we still, do we now have an idea what we're doing? Uh, or are we going in blind to this one too? Yeah, well, we still don't really know what we're doing, but we have a rough sense. So... <laughs> Uh, it was very helpful. We got a lot of the practicals, everything from how to do the companion salad to the the songs that they sing up there and how like they're published in a book and you can play them this way. And, um, and then all kinds of practicals about how to relate to each other, you know, how to be polite when you're living together, how to uh, carry yourself as a priest, all kinds of things about virtue and um, the evangelical councils. What does poverty mean? What is obedience look like for priests and so it a lot of the stuff we do have a monthly uh, opportunity for formation and teaching the younger companions um, and ourselves we are always studying um, but you can't get everything in in a year so john father john has been dreaming of this boot camp thing for years and years and looking forward to it one because he's a mountain man and he's rustic and he's also a, a fisher of men. He's like a Pied Piper, and he likes forming these young guys, and he's really good at it. So congratulations, Father John. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, so we're uh, well, thank you. At, there are 10 of us, new guys, yep. right? Three seminarians, Yep. Uh, all in our going into our sixth of seven years in uh, seminary. And then we've got the rest seven are newly ordained in the last two years. Um, and we're just done with our first day-to-day of the boot camp. Two hours, holy hour, uh, over two hours of conferences with uh, the older guys giving us their wisdom. Um, and then we're going to be, or have been doing some manual labor out here, which, uh, Father John, what are we doing with that? Uh, yeah, nobody lost any limbs with the chainsaws today. Hey, so that's a win, right? <laughs> nobody got sucked into the wood chipper. Nobody got sucked into the wood chipper. All the things that were on the waiver that we all yep. signed. Did he sign a waiver, by the way? Mike Rapp should have a lifetime waiver, <laughs> I think, just in life in general. Um well, yeah, we want to uh, – so Google partial Colorado, and you'll get a rough sense of where we are. But What is partial? Let's turn it over to John here. Is there a mailbox or a post office or anything? So, so partial is 10 miles to the north of us. So we are 10 miles closer to Silverthorne. But uh, from Denver, just take I-70 to Silverthorne and Don't then – where you live. Okay, well – just partial. Just partial. Just keep driving. Here, that's what that means. There's a there's a big hay bale staff. He doesn't talk with the microphone. He's been doing this for ten years. No, no, no. Um, so, yeah, we were looking for a location for this uh, boot camp, and the idea was we wanted uh, to get all the young guys together, bring the old guys out. Um, older guys are given conferences. A lot of time for prayer. Guys are sitting around the fire outside. But we are in an absolutely Edenic location, as uh, Father Mike sung the praises uh, early on. We're looking out, uh, um, and uh, we are in Grand County, Colorado, so about an hour and a half from Denver, just on the other side from Silverthorne, if you know Denver at all. Uh, and we are at a, which is a very special place uh, because we wanted uh, to be able to do some work together. 
and to assist it. So um, John and Ashley uh, have a very beautiful story uh, of a mission and uh, now a retreat center that's being founded, uh, that has been founded. And uh, so one of the things that we wanted to uh, do during this podcast is, Father Mike has a lot of very personal questions he wants to ask you about your family and stuff, but we want to start with um, just kind of telling us about uh, your story, your family, where are you guys from, how did you end up here uh, outside of Partial Colorado, and uh, what are you you working on at this retreat center? Make her talk, by the way. Honey? I will talk. Will you please? I will talk. Lead us off. Okay. We're, we're from Minnesota, west of the cities, and we were both homeschooled and grew up together. We were family, well, friends. Well, uh, five minutes apart. Okay. Um, he knew me since I was two. Our families knew each other since I was two. Yeah. Um, we are cradle Catholics, I would say. We probably had a, good, a really good Catholic foundation, and we were exposed to many things, in particular a retreat center in Minnesota. Yep, we both went on retreat at Pachman Terrace, which is an hour north of the cities, uh, which is a silent desert Pustinia retreat center. We were both really impacted by that. You would go on retreats together, or no, 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 no. Oh. We're gonna try and do this. <laughs> Sorry, um, I had. Here's another question. So I asked if they had gone on on these retreats together or independently, but it was independently. These are kind of independent um, settings for retreat making. Um, and then what about, did you grow up with your, uh, your homeschool families near each other? Was it out in the country like this? Was it a lot of fun or you got animals, you got farming, you got all that adventure? Yeah, we grew up on a hobby farm. So my dad was a CPA and we bailed hay. I'm one of 10 kids. So bailed hay to learn self-discipline. And, um, so, so it was definitely not like an animal farm, but definitely out there. What is a hobby farm? That sounds to me like those little, those little dog and a cat. Uh, what are those little horses? Oh, the, the little, Shetland ponies. Yeah, little ponies. It's all like those. We build hay though. Hobby or like kind of. Like, to, yeah, so we would put it up in the barn. And, okay. So it was a little more than just dog and a cat, but. Do you think it is this the same? Were you a hobby farm? I was not a hobby farm. I don't have any hobbies. No <laughs> hobbies. Not now. Not then. No, I lived in a neighborhood. On Lake Zumbra in Minnesota. So very different, um, yeah, environments. Okay, so you'll get to um, this idea of Pustinia and retreat and how to pray um, and kind of seek silence in a beautiful place with God. And um, maybe a question I'll come back to because we still haven't, you still haven't kind of told us about that. I've interrupted everything. Is uh, how you think that the uh, upbringing in a kind of rural place might have informed your desire to pray that way for quiet and for a beautiful setting as a place to find, you know, I live right in the heart of the city and I find it hard to pray sometimes, you know, so I think it helped. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does that get into your, your own soul, like your rhythm of prayer, the way that you understand to speak to God and all that, you know, even from childhood, like running around in the country. I think having grown up out in the country, it's easier to recognize when things are so loud. So maybe it's easier to see, oh my gosh, everyone's on their cell phone all day long. And I'm even being so attracted, you know, to just kind of putting my whole attention here. So I think maybe just recognizing some of the distractions easier and wanting to kind of go back to that place of silence and be able to listen better or just hear better. Yeah. 
All right, so pass that mic back to Ashley. We're going to keep keep the questions coming yeah, towards your direction. So we made it to age two. Uh, yeah, so Good tell job. us about age three. What you guys do? <laughs> did you get the Shetland pony you always wanted? So no, tell us about uh, growing up, and then uh, when did you actually start dating, and then how did you end up in Colorado? Do you want to go? Do that? Please. Go ahead. Please. No, please lead us. <laughs> okay. Well, it all started with overalls. And Bible quizzing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we were, we were both involved in Bible quizzing, which is a Christian missionary alliance where you memorize books of the Bible. Oh, yeah, word perfect. And then you you jump on these little electrical chairs, and whoever jumps first gets the gets to answer or try to answer the question. And you travel around the country and Canada and wherever else. But So we were both involved in that. Uh, you were wearing a really nice pair of overalls, I think. Oh. Uh, and... Uh, Okay. Email so, started from okay. there. Who won? Right. Who won the contest? Yeah. Go ahead. In Bible quizzing? Yeah. We did really well. We were on an international good. team. and yeah, I don't think we were ever good. on the same team. No, no, no. Our team did really well. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so Bible quizzing overalls. We, I was, um, her, his sister was my best friend. Um, and we just did a lot as a family, um, mm. with both families together. And... Um, growing up, John was just always a standard for my future husband. And so every guy that would, you know, come into my life, whatever, we were in public school, sports and um, activities, you would just compare. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't anybody that ever measured up. And so in my mind, I was like, well, who, I mean, if it's not him, right? Because it would be cool if it was him, but if it's not him, like imagine, right? The guy. Imagine. Imagine. Um, <laughs> so we just stayed in touch. Um. It started out in handwritten letters. We'd like exchange at like George events or something. And then um, you went off to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And then I went to emails. And I waited. I wanted to uh, get, we, we both kind of knew we were going to get married or, or were thinking about it very seriously. And then wanted to um, wait until you were done with high school just because I didn't want to mess anything up. So I asked your dad if I could court you. And later he said he wasn't sure if uh, I had asked correctly or he thought I might have asked or something like that but anyway we uh, I asked um, and you um, what we spent a few months and then we're engaged and married my, nine months later so yeah right, right yeah. after high school um, no 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 you Where were night before yeah. I was 20 well, that's cool so a lot I married of a teenager uh, give me the money a give lot of people these days are uh, marrying a lot later and um, I've got a sibling who um, got married at 35 and then another sibling got married at 22 and it was interesting to see the different reactions especially from extended family about um, whether or not this is wise where's the wisdom and it was it, there's a curious balance between um, the folks who were said you know you know you got to go live and you got to go through a lot of other relationships and all of this stuff and um, and then you'll you'll have learned some lessons or you can learn lessons together you know, and I feel like that's kind of been my experience. Come, I went out into seminary out of high school, and a lot of it is kind of, you know, sometimes at this, I'm 39, and I wonder, like, okay, that could have gone differently. But I think I'm glad to have sort of set up life with that trajectory. It's like what my whole life means, my whole adult life. And I think it's beautiful to hear of, uh, you know, people being married so young, and you seem so happy and have a great family and everything. So, um I'm just, yeah, I'm curious about that, um, yeah, that experience. Is it unusual with, in your families or, 
or around that you were um, married so young? Did it feel young? No, because I feel like we both were confirmed in our uh, commitment to each other um, over time. And so it just felt, felt, quote unquote, right. Um, and so we were just following God's will and, and mm-hmm. here we are. But um, no, most, I said, I would say, yeah, most of our friends are older or marry younger or marry older. But our, my, both of my grandparents married young. I think also your parents married really young. You've got the two so. families and everything. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I can't speak I told you it was going to get personal fast. So uh, hold on a sec. Hold on a second, Michael. Uh, well, yeah, we got to get to Colorado. <laughs> No, I, uh, I, I think that's, well, I just, I just wanted to say, I think that's an interesting point of like, um, there is kind of a worldly appraisal of like when you should enter your vocation, even as Catholics, uh, like, oh, is it better to be 35? It's like when the call comes, Mm -hmm. you, you do it, you enter into your state in life. It's funny. Three of us started seminary at 18. One took a little longer to get there. Jacob, that's that's right. That's Machado. But the call, it comes at different times. And so I think, uh, so anyways, tell us about the kids. Yeah, it, I totally second that on the call. So it, we really felt so at peace. And uh, yeah, it's been such a gift. I think God saves us from a lot, to your point, sometimes of things that we would have to go through that we don't have to because we're kind of in God's call. And um, But yeah, so we have six children. Well, we have seven. One's in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but our first is Johnny. He's just turned 14. Um, and then Levi, who's 12. And then Dominic, who's 10. And then the girl, well, Grace, Grace is eight. Joy, joy is yeah. five. She's a it's ball of fire. fire. She's a joy. <laughs> she is. And then Joseph is three and a half. The, uh, these are hardworking children, by the way. Uh, the three and a half year old was at about nine o'clock last night calling for us to get back to chipping. He was like, chip, 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 let's go. What are we doing? Why aren't we working right now? And it's like, this is amazing. And we saw the girls were uh, attacking Father Sean in the pool today. So. That's a lot of work. Yeah, they look, they look scared at first. And they're a bit overwhelmed because 15 strangers just showed up and are at their house, everywhere. Right. Yeah, and, and the Ryan Ranch is, is kind of in the middle of nowhere. So uh, I get in the pool and then Joy just like jumps on my back and she's just like, pony, pony, pull me around in the pool, pony. And then she gets the water gun and I'm like her shield and she's like squirting everyone else in the pool. It was great. Oh, so, that's, yeah, you are. That's right. A very large show. There it is. Very large show and pony. All right. So, Ash, when did you guys, did you move to Colorado after you were married? No. I moved to Colorado, um, well, the beginning of 06. He proposed to me on New Year's Day. We were married that year in um, September. And that was answering your question. Yeah. Okay. So then it was uh, to Boulder. So um, I've heard about. I had heard about John and Ashley Ryan for a long time through mutual friends. Keenan Fitzpatrick is one of them. Um, we just missed each other in Boulder. You were kind of around when I was there, 2011, 13, um, but didn't really get to know each other. Um, and then it, uh, we want you to obviously share, because you're not in Boulder anymore. You came out here, and it was, but Father Brady Wagner was the connection for us. And he brought me out here, and I don't know, was that two years ago? I don't know. I don't know what it was, but first came out here. But uh, tell us about the walk to Boulder and then Patrice Corday and what you guys are doing. So um, living in the Front Range, so coming from Minnesota to Colorado, 
we, um, John was a triathlete, um, part-time, full-time. And we eventually wanted to um, get some land. Going back to how we were raised had an effect kind of on our what we wanted for our children. And we wanted land and we wanted more of the classical um, education experience and the well-rounded um, childhood um, for them. So we started looking for land. And you, being a very handy person, love to take care of properties and sprinkler systems and electrical. So eventually it just seemed a little redundant, like, well, why aren't we doing this for somebody? Um, and at, at the time we had found 10 acres in Boulder and that wasn't big enough to have a Pustinia there. Um, so again, this is impacted from the retreat center in Minnesota. We kind of had this placed on our hearts and wanted to take care of something for somebody. And we just needed more property and less regulation than the city of Boulder could offer us. So we were in Boulder and um, dealing with some health issues. And Ash said, why don't we, uh, why don't we just live a year in the mountains? I was like, no way. I'm part of a really cool men's group at St. Tom's and all kinds of other things. And we kind of spent uh, 4th of July up there and decided there, okay, we'll, we'll find a place. And it was really providential. We didn't want to, we looked at seven or eight houses in Boulder to rent because ours was under um, some construction issues and uh, not one of them was available. And the only one available was in um, South Breckenridge. And so we were able to rent there for a year and a half. And then while during that time, look for this place to build a retreat center. Um, the goal being to build a place for, of silence where people can come pray and encounter God and um, just really leave the noise and just enjoy the beauty of the mountains, which are is just so glorious and, uh, and listen and, and all that. So we finally found- Well, moving to Breck, we met Father, or Monsignor Glenn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fact, right? yeah. Monsignor Glenn is a huge part of of the uh, um, of this whole thing. Yeah. This happen. Mm -hmm. So Monsignor Glenn, Mike, Michael Glenn, who passed away two and a half years ago, three years ago, um, was our rector in the seminary. Uh, the man, the companions would not exist uh, were it not for his support early on. Uh, a couple of uh, really random seminarians, one with a mohawk at the time, uh, Father Mike. Um, kind of showed up and said, we want to start this thing. And he believed in us and he really believed the Lord wanted it. And uh, so it, it, there's a lot of kind of connection here. Archbishop Shapu, huge for you, I know, in your formation and um, the support. And so, uh, but going back to pa uh, Pachman Terrace, so we're throwing these kind of Latin words around, but Pachman Terrace was uh, a foundation of uh, in uh, about an hour north of the Twin Cities that is a different kind of retreat center. When you think of retreat center, you think of like, a young life camp or like, you know, just huge youth groups kind of kind of, this is not what it was about. It was built uh, in the Russian style of Pustinia, a word that means kind of the, the desert of the heart. Um, and so the hermitages, uh, it's a hermitage style retreat center. So you go to Pachamanteras and I went there 20 years. This is one of the really cool things when we met, I was like, oh, I know exactly what you're doing because my spiritual director, uh, who's now the Bishop of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. This is when I was in college seminary. Don DeGrude said, you should really go up here and just spend a weekend. My brother and I went up and we had never done a silent retreat before. And it, I could hear him singing in his hermitage because he didn't know what to do with himself. He was so uncomfortable. 
And I was like, what the hell were you doing? And he was like, well, I read all the instructions everywhere. I was reading the fire, you know, extinguisher. And like, he just read because he didn't know what to do with himself. And then, because we didn't actually have any direction. Uh, and then he just started singing and he was like, that was awkward. And then, and then he entered into the silence. So we were kind of all over the place, but I, we were 18. Uh, and this place, it's still going. It's incredible. And it was the model for uh, the Ryan family um, who very providentially uh, founded this and, and are now in relationship uh, with the companions because uh, we have been looking for this for a long time and dreaming about it. Uh, and Father Brady uh, and the connection you guys had, it just it was like, we need this so bad. So where we're at, we're in their home right now uh, on this property, but the property exists for the foundation of these Hermitage-style retreat centers, single unit. Uh, they did decide to put in a bathroom, which I think was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, with a little electricity, so the archbishop can get his CPAP, as he said, I hope he doesn't listen to this, uh, <laughs> but, um, on the record. yeah, on the record. Mm-hmm. So Patris Corday was founded. Tell us about the name. Tell us about, uh, the plan and where you guys are at with it. Yeah. Huh? Um, St. Joseph has been just so such, um, a, uh, a saint intercessor for us. And, and uh, we've just been so blessed the finding this land was so miraculous it was not on the market at all and it was during a novena to saint joseph and um so we felt so confirmed in that and then um monsignor glenn was so confirming and really even to uh, to his dying day um he would say john you know tell tell us about your dream down at uh down in aurora at the house that where he was in and um just such a support to the end um and still right yeah mm-hmm. yeah so the name Patris Corde comes from um, devotion to St. Joseph, so our patron. Um, so it's a letter that was written um, by Pope Francis about St. Joseph. Um, but it really just speaks about what we feel, how God wants to encounter people here, just the heart of the Father, how he wants to um, just hold those who are here and um, walk with them and encounter them in, in a really um, deep way. And so for those two reasons, for St. Joseph and for um, the Father's heart, those are our two reasons. I got a a practical question just about how the Pustinia works because I have not made retreat here nor in, um, what did you call it, Pachmentera? Pachmentera, sure. Do you have, is there a retreat master? Are there any suggested meditations i know i have my style i have been praying with the ignatian meditations for a long time so when i go into retreat i kind of have my go-to stuff either lexio divina with scripture or this these ignatian um, meditations on the life of jesus but i don't know what if someone just said okay well i heard that there's huts can i hang out in a hut and pray are there suggestions is there somebody is there going to be a, a chaplain is there going to be uh something posted on you know all those practical subjects just like what is it you know how do you how do you help steve nepple and give him a songbook or something <laughs> in pachamantaris's defense they did have people they had staff there uh who would have helped but i think i mean it was just uh <laughs> Very funny. He's just a funny dude. Um, so I don't know if anybody could have helped him at that point. Um, we are in a presently. We're in a kind of a, a an apartment above the garage, and I think the idea is that you know if one of us priests were to come up here with a couple people, 
and help direct the retreat, this would be probably where we would stay. And then we would, literally where we're meeting would be kind of a place for direction. So, but it's not necessarily required, right? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, so we'll definitely have that. Um, but the idea of Pustinia, um, of there's a book um, with Catherine Doherty that, um, but um, is just creating a space for silence. So a place where, where people can empty themselves of work and cell phones and family and all of that. And, and so just the emptying. And then from there, um, it is a unique place in that we feel God will direct those who are here. will speak to them and um, direct them. There will be a Bible. There'll be a fire extinguisher instructions. Um, <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be a, like uh, there was at Pachman Terrace, there's a little... Um, thing that talks about how to do Lexio Divina or um, there's a chaplet of divine mercy, things like that. But our goal is to actually have people enter into, uh, just create a place where they can enter into silence and really just listen and allow God to, to lead. And yes, it could it go off the rails. Um, you know, there's been some talking about concern with that, but we really feel that, um, no God with God leading, he will, he will speak how he, you know, wants to, yeah. So, Pustinia, if you're interested in this topic, Pustinia is a wonderful book by Catherine Hewitt Doherty, who was uh, a baroness in Russia before the uh, revolution and had to flee uh, and ended up kind of going through Europe and England and then ended up in Canada and made a foundation uh, in Combermere, Ontario, called the Madonna House, um, which is that's kind of the introduction of this Eastern style of retreat. Uh, Pustinia, and she is just an amazing uh, woman. I, uh, some of the things what that she, to Lucille, Lucille Dupuy, uh, up in she passed away. Um, yeah, probably about eight years ago. So, thank you. Uh, hey, you want to pass that over to him? So, thank you. This is a normal thing. The whiskey finally arrived with Father CJ this afternoon. So, um, the uh, but one of the things that I, I just to your point earlier is Catherine really believed that. If you go into silence with the word of God, uh, you will encounter, you will experience what the Russians call sobornost, uh, unity with the Trinity. Thank you. And so uh, the idea is really not to have kind of prescripted retreat style. You can do, we could come up here and make the spiritual exercise or direct them, but Pustinia is really just, as you said, well, creating the space for silence and also just like, simplifying everything so one of the great things that pacham and Terrace does i'm not sure i'm kind of tacitly pressuring them about pacham bread is like the greatest thing ever they give you a basket as you go out to the pustinia and it's got bread a little cheese and some fresh fruit and when you run out of that you just hang it up outside and they kind of bring bring you more stuff and what if uh, you're gluten-free well that these they are very accommodating to gluten-free because this family is so uh yeah so chris constantine will be just fine Talk raw, about pots and, and, and bread. Raw local cheese that they had. That's unbelievable. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah. I just, you take like a bite of the cheese and a bite of the bread. It's it's like it's like the greatest thing. Bread, cheese, and fruit provided. Provided. There you go. Hot water. So if you go, um, yeah, tell like if you go online, there's a website up. Yeah. Uh, Patrizcorde.org. How do you spell Patrizcorde? Uh, that's really tough. P A. You got it. You got it. Hit it. P-A-T-R-I-S-C-O-R-D-E Can you break it down though? What's the uh, What are the tenses? Or the cases? No, I'm terrible with Latin 
with a father's heart? With the father's, yeah. Yeah, we're actually all terrible at that, and it's probably with the father, so it's probably accusative. Uh, this is super nerdy. Okay, let's let's move on here, Pope. Uh, Patris Corey with the father's heart. Um, the Bible quiz, though. Yeah, quiz show is, this is a very sensitive issue. This is like, uh, this this came into being, uh, it, it was quiz show. No, it's 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 called Get Into His Insane Brain and Answer Questions, and Goebel was really good at that, and I was really bad at that. Still am, so maybe we'll do a quiz show next time. When I when I was a kid, I was in a club called Awanas, yes, me and too. you have to memorize Bible verses. And I got my mom grew up Lutheran, and I went to a Lutheran elementary school. There was a lot of Bible quizzing going on, yeah. and I'm pretty good at it. I mean, we might have to have a little contest after this. Yeah. Are, are they interna- Are you international though? I mean, he was an international oh, Bible yeah. quiz. Canada. Okay, there you go. He's also doing a triathlon coming up, so John could uh, anyway, be your coach. We've sidetracked here. We've sidetracked. So, um, yeah, you have a question. Yeah, you, you can go back to personal questions. I just wanted to say Patris Corday Hermitage Retreat Center is the name of this place, patriscorday.org. Yes. Uh, beautiful information. Um, we had certain people who were nervous that the Archbishop didn't know about this, and I very <laughs> gladly pointed them to the website where he says, boom, I completely endorse and I'm very excited about this. I'm, on, I'm very grateful to be on the board uh, with Father Brady, and so I personally there am. Too. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, they, uh, but the foundation of the, of the retreat center was in the year of St. Joseph, and it was always a strong sense from the two of you that um, this was under his patronage. Um, tell us about the two hermitages. Oh, you got us something. Well, no, I just wanted to say this isn't like um, a dream you guys had where you, you put together a board and you fundraised and then you've got people building uh, for you and you're sitting somewhere down in Denver. Like you guys are on the ground and, and that's what we're out here doing uh, for our manual labor portion of boot camp is whatever they tell us to do, basically. Um, and uh, we're, we're out there clearing trees right now, but you guys are building. You built... I helped build the house, did the electricity in the house. You built the barn. You're building the Pastinias. Like, can you tell us about that, how that's been, that experience? No, yeah, we just love to build just from growing up and doing electrical things and, um, yeah, just in, inventing quote-unquote things and um, and then getting the kids involved. So our two sons work with us a lot and, and then the younger sometimes too. So it's really just a family thing, just being out here. And if you're going to be out here, it's it's just glorious to be able to, work with your hands and build and well, yeah. I think there's yeah something to pur- purposeful labor purposeful work um, right idle hands are the devil's handiwork um, and I think we were instilled with that growing up in Minnesota the hard work ethic we wanted to give that to them include them take care of something for somebody like all of us together mm-hmm. but we did to your point um, this wasn't a dream and find a board and and put this together this was really just on our hearts to do on our own. And we thought, okay, well, if it takes us 30 years to raise enough funds to build and to do it ourselves, we wanted to like do it, like build it ourselves. And then we're like, so that's what we're just going to do. We're just going to like slowly plot along. Um, word of mouth, whoever wants to come up can use it, whatever. And then and then the Holy Spirit, I think, just moved and we founded a board and we we're just going to kind of like hobble along like that. And then it was suggested that we fundraise and then from there it was like i think also our growing and our hearts um understand what community is more so and that people want this too and want to partner with us and want to work with us 
and actually come on the land and um, physically labor and wants to see this happen. So mm-hmm. I think that's how it kind of came from like us into bigger. To bigger yeah, we finished the end of last year. We put in the infrastructure for the first six hermitages or pustinias and uh, water and gas and power and all that. And uh, we didn't. We were out of funds, and we were just okay, Lord. When you provide the funds, we're going to continue. Um, otherwise, we're going to just spend this year with the kiddos and um, grow as a family. And um, it was just the outpouring of people who wanted to have this happen. It was I just remember one time someone called and said, "We're going to, you know, donate this." And I just got down on my knees. On like, I was just like, "God, you must really want this." It was incredible. Right, like he so, wants to encounter yeah. us and you now. Like today, not in 20 years from now, like I said before. So we felt a, a great support and need. Need for sure. Yeah. So there's been a huge outpouring of support um, last fall, uh, especially. and uh, But they're still in need of a lot of support. And so we hope you'll consider that. Um, the two hermitages that have been uh, built um, are dedicated to uh, Father Michael or Monsignor Michael Glenn. Um, and then Father Raymond Goronsky, the Jesuit spiritual director that we had who... Um, and you'll like this. They're St. Francis and St. Ignatius. That's like two of your boys. It's two of Father Mike's favorites. Um, and so they are under their page, but you can donate directly to that if you particularly want to support St. Francis, uh, Hermitage, uh, St. Ignatius. And then the plan is 16 total, right? So the first six. So wait, what's number three going to be? Father oh, there you go. Father Peter Musset. I know. Not We're that. Praying about that. Help us. Yeah, what's uh, what's his coffee shop? What's his coffee shop called? Are the um, Saint okay. Jogos is the name of his coffee shop? Saint Jogos. So the website is um, learn about it and help um, with a donation, help with prayers, all this stuff. This is not sign up already. They're not running yet. No, no, you know the answer. No, we're not running yet at this point. So we will finish this year, the first two hermitages, and we will also finish the foundation for the chapel. So the plan would be to open in 2023, okay. so next year. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's great to know. And then it would be ideally like um, a retreat leader would bring retreatants, or if you're like Father Mike needs a needs a desert day, we call it a desert day, a day away. Mm-hmm. Um I could just call up and come up. and mm-hmm. So we feel like the um, call or where the God's leading us for this retreat center would be the desert day um, to call and, and um, uh, schedule and, and, uh, and come up really at, at any time that's open. Um, and uh, there will be led, uh, there could be led retreats here, but they would be still, the focus would be the single uh, person in the Pustinia or Hermitage um, they're able to, to, um, pray and, and there's walking trails and, and, uh, eventually the chapel. Um, and then if someone wanted to meet with a spiritual director, they could meet here at the main building, you know, say once a day or so, but the, our, we feel our call will not be so much formation, but it will be encounter and the silence. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's been an important discernment of like this, this place has a very specific, Role and it's really to facilitate silence, and it's absolutely beautiful too. What's your acreage here? Seven hundred eighty acres. Um, the first six pilgr- uh, hermitages are being built along this aspen grove, looking out across this gorgeous green meadow. 
uh, to there's Byers and Bill's Peak over there and Continental Divide further down. I mean, it's this is just uh, idyllic. We had talked for a long time about like the companions, like, hey, we should, like Father Brady and I'd be like, we should build a, per, a pilgrim or a hermitage. No idea what it involved until I started working with you guys. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And you have a job. Like, this isn't John's job. He's running his company still uh, from here. And so it's it's just remarkable. And even what we cleared today, 13 guys or whatever, I mean, they did all of those roads, everything, just Casey and you. And right. I mean, it's... We, we did have excavators, though, too, so those do help. Um, and the retreat center itself, the planned retreat center, just to, will be uh, about 250 acres. So there's 250 acres that backs against National Forest on two sides and then Bureau of Land Management on the third side. So it's really kind of just lost, and that'll be the actual retreat center. Would be about, And the rest of it we may keep as ranching or farming, things like that. What would you say about an ambulance if you need one? Um, drive yourself if you yeah. need an ambulance. Drive yourself in. Go left. So yeah, go, left. go left. That's right. So if someone were to ask you, like, well, maybe two questions here. One, what's the difference between like a normal retreat mm-hmm. versus a pustinia? And then if someone were to ask you, like, why do I need a silent retreat? Why do I need a specifically a pustinia? Mm-hmm. Because we're all used to, as Father Mike was saying, with regards to silent retreats we all have done the saying Ignatius, the spiritual exercises mm-hmm. but pustinia is very different mm-hmm. and so i'm wondering if you can speak to that a little bit like if someone is listening who's never heard of pustinia why would you recommend them to do uh, mm-hmm. pustinia yeah I, um so i went to pachaman terrace uh, just because we're not open yet and there's some great history there in february and i was there for five days and it was hard and um I just, what I realize is I am so crummy at being silent and just like the listening of the heart. And so, so much of that was just trying to um, get to a place where I could listen to God. And so I think that um, a great benefit to the whole, any spiritual journey is the ability to um, listen and to remove those obstacles. And so I do think that that, that is a... Um, one of the things that the Pustinia or the desert drives at. Um, and um, yeah, so I th- that would come to mind. Well, I'm not an expert and not a theologian, but I will quote Father John in saying that to know God's will right for your life takes a lot of time and a lot of silence. And we're just instruments in that. So I'm, I don't, you know, some retreats or centers might say, okay, we're more Ignatian or we're more Franciscan in our um, spirituality. Um, but at this point in time, we, I don't mm-hmm. yeah, trend anything. I think we're just offering opportunity mm-hmm. for people to encounter God. Uh, Thomas Merton has a great book called Seeds of Contemplation, one of my favorite uh, spiritual books. And he, he talks about, Gronsky would quote this all the time, noise is the demon of the age, demon of the modern world. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't realize how, how, how filled we are with just the chaos of sound and and screens and it is hard to detox when you come in these businesses but also it's also it's like you become human again um and some retreats are more desolate than others some are just like i can't i don't even feel like i can get into it other times it's deeply consoling you don't always know what the lord's going to do but i i think that i just i you know we've been meeting with people in denver and um I've been talking about this constantly because I'm like, I don't see anything more important than this. Like this is, we have to recover 
we've lost the the natural kind of foundations of contemplation, like as a culture. Like a hundred years ago, growing up in uh, central western Minnesota, your life was very it was conducive to silence. And it led to prayer. Prayer. I was just driving on I seventy through Kansas and Ellis County, uh, where Hayes, Kansas is. They have the most unbelievable churches because all the Volga Deutsch came in there. But they were just working the land and they were living it, and and the faith was real. And in the cities, it's so hard. To, people are like, I don't know how to pray. I don't want to pray. And it's like because there's no silence. Mm. Silence. It just we naturally move into that. And your family is just an unbelievable witness of this. This is not just promotional because I'm on your board. Uh, I'm, I'm always amazed by this call that you've been given. And it also shows how families are. God wants to give you charisms, specific graces. Uh, this is an exceptional one. This is a mission uh, that has demanded huge sacrifice, but also it comes with just tremendous responsibility and joy. Uh, but I just, as an encouragement to families, like, like be open to like, how does God, he doesn't want you to just go to mass on Sundays and kind of, I don't know, you know, make sure the kids get confirmed. It's like, he has a plan for your family and for your marriage. And you, you guys are one of the best examples I've ever seen of that. So, um, so we're grateful to be here. So, yeah, I remember my first silent retreat. Um, I was so excited to go, but the first two days I just pretty much slept the whole time. Cause I didn't realize how tired I was. And to father John's point of just like, especially in the city, we live such a fast paced life all the time. We're just go, 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 go. And to actually take some time away to pray, to contemplate and to actually like, wow, this is how I'm feeling right now. This is how tired I am. This is what's going through my mind, but to give your, your self space for that silence for God to speak. Right. Cause God does really speak in the silence. Makes me think of Elijah, you know, with the still small voice. The whole tradition of Carmel, like the Carmelite tra- tradition, um, really is centered around this very simple concept, but elusive and difficult and mysterious of no method. You know, nada. You think of nada with Teresa of Avila. You just listen. And that'll drive you crazy because you say, well, what am I listening for? How am I supposed to hear this? Aren't these the voices in my own head? Um, what about the sounds of memory and all this stuff? And somehow there's a trust that you'll hear. You know, go, get silent, get quiet, and open open your your heart and your mind and to God and invite God to be there. And eventually you'll hear it's really remarkable, but I, I've been there. At least I've had a, a few tastes of that. I don't think I'm real good at this thing. So I'll, you'll see me up here over the next number of years. <laughs> what about this? I had this question for you. What about, um, you're obviously people who love contemplative prayer and listening to God and that quiet and everything. How do you, how do you work that into your own life? And is that something you do daily? Is that something you set time aside weekly, monthly, something like that? Um, and then how do you plan to, or have you begun to teach your kids how to seek that and find it and listen to the voice of God? I mean, you've got a 14 year old, he's probably getting to a point where he can start to do that and start to need that maybe more. But, um, I'm interested in know. Yeah. So what does that look like in your lives and your, you know, what you think for your family? Gosh, just good, good questions. Good, tough questions. Do you want to start or? Hmm. Yeah, I can start. Um, I would say that um, I think we have both first grade examples from both of our parents. 
Um, they're very prayerful, devout Catholics. And um, so for, for contemplation and meditation, I would say that we definitely are committed to having our daily morning prayer time. And that includes, um, even if it's super long, because my child will wake me up, you know, on the monitor, or I won't be allowed to pray super long. But that definitely is important in a daily routine for for me. Um, and we homeschool our children. And so um, we have from a young age, like Joy, who's five, will take the timer and set the amount, you know, for her age. And she will go and, and pray, find a hiding place and go pray until the time goes off. So all of our kids every morning have their own prayer time. Um, it'd be great to pick all of your brains as far as how, like you said, the 14-year-old to develop that more. But they all have that habit. So like they know. My list is get up, have breakfast. They disappear for their 20 minutes or whatever they have. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, yeah, have family prayer time because we're able to do that with, with homeschooling. And and then it kind of just, um, there. I feel like because we live where we do, like you said, it's more of a lifestyle that we live where we can do like our rosary walks um, from our home or pray, you know, for the people that will come here or that have been here. Um, and that the little moments like having the um, the cloister of the heart um, throughout our day. And so I feel like it's just a mentality that we live, that we live in, that we're privileged to live in. And I think that's hard to do in other places that mm-hmm. are less remote mm-hmm. than that. But I, f- I feel like we're growing. I'm no, yeah, mm-hmm. by no means mm-hmm. an expert, but I do, we do try. Yeah. Because you don't, you can't fake like your relationship, right, with the Lord. And if we don't have that, we can't give that, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's been a call. Um, we don't feel like we are had the spiritual journey together and then started this. It's more of like, oh my gosh, we don't have this together and this place and through your encouragement, um, Father John, but others too, and, and Father Sean and those we're meeting, we've had, um, um, we've, we felt like we're being, we feel like we're being converted and able to be drawn deeper in through this, this, um, apostolate. And, uh, yeah, I think the time in the adoration chapel is big. Um, so anytime we can get there, sometimes during haymaking season, it's hard, but, um, so we're hoping to get permission here to have him eventually. And then with the 14 year old, just a quick, I think a big thing is just, um, we have like bathroom talks. It's funny in the, in they, in one of the, uh, hermitage books, they talk about, um, the person who founded Pachman Terrace will talk about bathroom talks, which are, um, similar to like God talking like Pustinia talks, but, um, yeah, my Johnny or, or Levi will say, I, I need to, I want to need to talk to you. I need to talk to you about this. And a lot of those things are movements of the heart and um, the things, the questions and things that have to do with faith. Or I felt this way about, um, you know, or, or and, 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 um, and helping to just kind of talk and, and lead with them. So my hope is, and our hope is to continue that. Yeah, um, I think a lot of it is less about the, I mean, is the structure and the input, but it's, it's more too about the environment that you're in to allow God to speak. Yeah. Okay, so four hosts, let's do a round the horn final questions, comments, and then we'll kind of wrap her up. Okay, Jake. I just want to say thank you guys for uh, hosting us. But, um, you know, we enter into the seminary, and it's supposed to be a a school of prayer and a school of study. Um, And so, you know, I come in. I'm the old one they referenced. Didn't start until I was 27. Um, But we, we enter, and I thought I had it all together. I thought I knew how to pray. And five years later, I'm still figuring out how to pray. 
in seminary. Um, and so coming on these retreats, coming on uh, stuff with the companions, but to see you guys as a family, to see your spirituality, to see how you pray as a family um, is a witness to us. And I think it's just a beautiful, you mentioned community um, a little bit back in one of your answers. And, and I just want to thank you for sharing the community of your family with us um, because, you know, we might study hours and hours of theology. We've got a couple uh, doctorates in the room, um, many years of studying theology, and yet I have so much to learn um, living in community with you guys, going out and working uh, on your land, um, or just seeing how your family comes together to pray. Uh, and so that's a great blessing to me, to help me learn how to pray more, to, to learn how to be in relation better. Um, and so I just want to kind of throw that out there is, you know, we all have varying and differing vocations and callings, uh, but they are for the kingdom and for the glory of God together in a community. We're a church. We're not isolated. It's not my spirituality away and I'm going to go find, you know, my, my place and shut the world out, but it really is a community. And so even though we're way out there, um, this is for the kingdom. It's for the Archdiocese of Denver. It's for the church uh, and it's for eternity. I'll just say that I think you're cool. <laughs> I didn't say that lightly. <laughs> no, I really do. I think you're. Um, it impresses me how you're like really going big for God, and I love Jesus a lot, and uh, I love anybody who loves Jesus and tries to tries to help people to come to know the love of God who is a Father. It just it's so easy to say that in a slogan that's thrown around and has been totally taken for granted, but when you come to know that. Um, that's the that's what is transforming the world. That's the salvation of the world, and it's the happiest thing for this priest to see is when people come to that realization, even like those little glimpses. So, um, thank you for having that. Not only that, just like that insight and listening to God for that direction, but then having the um, what do you call it? Chutzpah? Chutzpah? Do you know what that is? I don't know what that is yet. Uh, <laughs> The uh, uh, the the gumption, the guts. How about guts? I don't use the guts to uh, to be bold and to do something great for God is so cool and it's so beautiful. And you have this funny combination of being super chill and light people, and then you're doing something so huge. You're really going big, and I love it. So God bless you. I'm really happy to have met you, and uh, thanks for hosting the companions here. And you've got a really cool family. They were nice, and they welcomed me to their kids' table and um, told me some jokes, and I appreciate it. You were stuck it. there. We had to pull Father Mike out just to come and record this podcast. So, Yeah, yeah again, just to echo that, a huge thanks to you guys for hosting us this week, but uh, for serving the church, for loving the Lord. Um, it's just really inspiring. Um, John Henry Newman said, literature is the autobiography of humanity. And uh, I read a book once. I'm not going to say what it is because I think it's going to draw too much attention away. Uh, but just real briefly, uh, the main character gets to kind of a crossroads in his life where he's just like really, really struggling and he just needs to get away. And Providence has him kind of on a <laughs> train through Siberia and he meets two Russian priests and he goes into a Pustinia. And he gets very refreshed from that experience. Um, so maybe just anyone who's, you know, maybe feeling down, maybe feeling overwhelmed just by life, the burdens that can sometimes uh, present itself in life. Don't be afraid to get away, to go on retreat, to do a Pustinia. 
I think sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, I think sometimes we need to go into the desert, the Pustinia, to get away so that when we come back, we see there's actually a lot of vegetation in my life. We have to go to the desert, right? We have to fast in order to feast. We have to go in the desert to see the vegetations that, that the Lord is doing within us. I, uh, I'll close this out. This is kind of a impromptu honoring, we would call this in the Companions, and so I appreciate you guys uh, doing that, and I know it makes them very uncomfortable. Um, but uh, I'll just finish with that. I um, uh, Kind of following on Sean's point, like uh, the Pustini is the desert, and you're creating a place in the desert, but you had to leave the city, and it was an existential decision to go into the desert. And I kn- just knowing you these last few years, like there's not a lot of community. You don't have a lot of support. Um, there, I'm sure there were moments along the way of like just complete uh, abandonment, leaving your homeland, being really far from your family, really far from a parish. Um, and those are the hidden kind of sacrifices that uh, are going to bear fruit in this place, in people's souls. And um, I'm sure there are people listening who feel the Lord kind of inviting them to that. And they're right at that point where you're in Boulder, everything is saying we need to do this, but all you're seeing is it's somebody referenced Abraham earlier, just leaving, leaving home. Um, and you have no idea what's coming. And uh, it's just like that beautiful scene in, in his story where he looks up at the stars. Apparently that's during the day. Uh, I learned, learned that from some exegete, but um, he can't see the stars, but he's promised that his descendants will be as many as the stars. And in many ways, you, you, you move through that point, and I hope that people listening to this, especially families uh, who maybe are right there saying, we feel like the Lord's inviting us to this. It's radical. It's heroic. It seems impossible we see no evidence of what this is going to, we have, we're losing control, but we're doing it. And so we thank you for the hidden sacrifices uh, that have led to now 15 priests who have totally occupied and are swarming your house. And um, so anyways, we'll close there. We're going to do some shout outs, Uh, but Ashley, very well done, John as well, but Ashley was particularly nervous about this. And I just want to say the last, the last woman on the podcast was, Becca, and it was a disaster. Oh She's now Sister Annunciata. We love her, but as our friend Paul Palumbo said, uh, he he said you should retitle the podcast Four Celibate Men Attempt a Conversation with a Woman." That was the uh, that's how bad it was. So this was actually very good. So thank you to both of you. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. But uh, let's close. Give us uh, any shout outs you want. Uh, anybody who listens or any friends in general. Oh gosh, uh, just. I guess to our families and and uh, just to all those that we've known in Denver and Boulder and um, that yeah just such gratitude and uh, just thank you all for your prayers. Uh, Father Michael said um, he this is a little bit uh, but he just said hey, many things that start in the spirit end in the flesh. He said so pray and uh, we just pray that the Holy Spirit and uh, continues to protect Saint John guide us. Guide us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We pray for all the priests, and all seminarians that have come to give us community and to bring us the Eucharist in the desert in which we yeah, feel like we live sometimes. But it's beautiful. It is beautiful. And uh, yeah, and to my parents from again, Chili and Cornbrain. Absolutely. Ed and Lisa Van Pelt and then your cousin Julie, uh, who all came in to prepare for us to feed this army of priests. So that's why they were here. And Delicious food. And they're driving back to Minnesota. So thank you especially to them. Wow. Nope, I got no shout outs. Just happy to be here, 
happy to especially reminisce here's a little shout out to heaven for uh glenn and garonsky i'm just so happy to hear their names and to remember them um in in the mountains this is a place that we shared a lot of happy happy memories with those men and i'm i love them and i'm still and will always be very inspired by them and i'm happy to know that you do too so what's up fellas say something from the sky i'd like to give a shout out to will and hannah beasley uh, they texted me the other day they were excited to hear my voice on this podcast as a new member so shout out to them great family with their new daughter uh gloria and uh we'll see you guys soon yeah just one quick shout out uh rachel duras friend from college uh similar thing reached out said oh heard you on the podcast congrats and happy birthday so i've been traveling a lot the last few weeks and uh my sister was heading to iceland with her family four little boys they're over there uh, right now and um i was talking to her and this woman comes up and she's like are you from Catholic stuff? And then she knew all you guys and obviously still listened. And so I said, I'm going to give you a shout out. So her name's Laura Fernandez. Thanks for coming to say hi in DIA. And her sister, uh, Joe uh, Ponsolet, I think is how I pronounce the last name. So thanks to Laura and Joe for listening and saying hi in DIA. They came, everybody wants to see Global and see the mullet. So she was heading to St. Joan of Arc. So hopefully you got your mullet sighting. Classic. And uh, yeah. So uh, to boot camp we go. We made it one day. Uh, through all this manual labor talk we'll see how tomorrow goes but john and ashley thank you so much for everything We're so grateful uh exceptional hosp- minnesota hospitality at its finest uh shawnee and uh jake and father mike they're going to take the reins and we'll see you on the colorado trail all these guys are going to be joining me at different points i'm going to be out right. the, the month of july this podcast will probably come out in the beginning of july but we're going to try and uh put a couple recordings out from the trail which will be fun yeah. it'll be sweet so we're looking forward to that, uh, but we're grateful for listening. Any final words there? Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. All right. We'll see you next week. With the sound of music.